coming up, let's get right to it. The very latest on the battle with COVID, because we are below 4,000 when it comes to the caseload in the province today. That's the relatively good news. 3,510 new cases being reported today in Ontario. However, however, the positivity rate, how about this, is nearly 11, 11%. We sit at 10.9%, the positivity rate. That is a new provincial record. However, the saddest number of them all today is without a doubt 13. A 13-year-old Brampton girl has died after contracting COVID-19. Now, there was a moment of silence earlier at Queen's Park, and here is Ontario Health Minister Christine Elliott. Well, Emily's death is truly a a tragedy, and it's something that I'm sure all of us send our sincere condolences to her family. She was a young woman who was just starting out in her life, and it is a tragic situation that she passed away. It is sad. It is shocking. And joining us now is Dr. Suman Chakrabati, infectious diseases expert. He joins us here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Doctor, appreciate you joining us. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Okay, uh, what do we know exactly about this case? Because we understand that this 13-year-old girl died last week after being found at home in distress by her brother. I mean, just how rare is this, Dr. Chakrabati, for somebody so young to die from COVID? heart-wrenching case and as a father myself hearing it was, it was really tough and uh, you know my condolences go out to her family but yeah I don't know the full details of the case yet I'm sure they'll come in, in the, the days ahead but uh, from what I understand is that uh, you know she was having a shortness of breath for quite some time that was getting worse and I think there was some reluctance based on an article I read in one of the newspapers that she, uh, her uh, dad was uh, reluctant to bring her to the hospital because he was worried about uh, number one, getting COVID, but the other thing was that she would be airlifted away. It's a very, very um, you know, uh, appreciable concern given what's going on, but I think this underlines one big thing. This is something that's rare. Uh, you know, there's lots of kids that get infected, and thankfully this doesn't happen. But I think it's also important to realize that if somebody is in respiratory distress, especially to the level that uh, she may have been, you want to bring them to the hospital because you need medical attention, and that could save your life. And is this a reminder, Dr. Chakrabadi, because, you know, we all have COVID uh, fatigue, but uh, what exactly is this telling us uh, about the virus, where we're at uh, right now in the pandemic? This is just showing, again, we just have so much COVID in the community right now. Thankfully, it does seem to be slowing down, but it just goes to show you that you're going to see these rare events happen. And uh, it's very, very um, heart-wrenching to hear this. This also underlines why it's so important, number one, to get to the hospital if you're sick, but number two, that uh, the why vaccination is being um, kind of doled out um, preferentially to essential workers and in the hot spots. And by doing this, we can uh, hopefully prevent this type of thing from ever happening again, especially when the vaccines go out, it benefits all of us. Now, you said a second ago, fortunately, things seem to be slowing down at least a bit uh, in the province. I just mentioned a minute ago that the positivity rate is near 11 percent, which is a new provincial record. Uh, Just how concerning is that number, that 11 percent? It's concerning if you look at just the one value, but if you look at the overall trend, things have been coming down. We also have to remember that uh, uh, if you (laughs) the numerator and the denominator in math, oftentimes what happens is that there's certain types of um, uh, workplace testing, what we call sweeps that are not done on the weekends. And these are often big ones that are done in companies, and the, there are a lot of negative tests often, and that will bring down the, the, uh, the percent positive. So this one value, of course, is concerning, but looking at the overall trend, things look like they have been plateauing. And that's what I always say, is to look at the last seven days. 
All right. Things have been plateauing and also Canada is set to get some two million doses of vaccines sometime this week, including our first shipment of Johnson and Johnson. Can you kind of explain that vaccine a little bit for us, Dr. Chakrabadi, uh, particularly why J&J is only a single dose? Yeah, J&J, I would guess the the best comparison to it would be AstraZeneca. Both of these are great vaccines. Uh, They have uh, almost 100% uh, efficacy in reducing death and hospitalization. So it's another great tool for the box. But the big thing about Johnson & Johnson that sets it apart, there's two big things actually. Number one, that you don't require any specialized type of cold conditions. You can put it regularly in a fridge and it works. So this makes it easy to bring around, especially for targeted vaccine campaigns. The second thing is just one dose, and that's big because out of all the other vaccines, this is one of the only ones that I'm aware of, at least the ones that we have here. I'm not sure about the Russian and Chinese ones, but this is one dose, and that's huge. We have to remember that there is that uh, potential rare side effect that we saw with AstraZeneca, but thankfully right now it looks to be very, very rare in terms of clots, and overall the benefit greatly outweighs the risk. If you have a chance to get it, I, I strongly urge you. So the fact that it's a single dose and it does not need this extreme refrigeration, is the J&J sorry, possibly a game changer? I mean, do we know what the efficacy rate is? And uh, could this maybe just become sort of the vaccine of choice, not only for Canada, but maybe around the world? Absolutely. So around the world, it looks like it will be the workhorse vaccine. Lots of places in South America have purchased large amounts. We're seeing it uh, in other parts of, uh, uh, in a- it's going to be used in Africa, in Asia. So I think in that sense, yes. The efficacy, they, they quote that 72% thing in the trial. But again, these trials are all done differently. If you put all the vaccines that we have on a level playing field, it's almost 100% at reducing death and hospitalization. And that's what we care about. And again, the single dose that makes it really, really good for widespread use, especially outside of city centers. And this can really help to, uh, and I shouldn't say outside of city centers, um, uh, you could use it in targeted areas, one and done, and you're, you're protected. I think that's a great trade-off. All right, let's move from Johnson & Johnson to AstraZeneca for a second, because uh, NASI was uh, back late on Friday. They're now recommending it for those 30 years and over. Just how important is that decision? How critical do you think that is going to be as we continue to battle this third wave? I think it's huge. And part of the thing that bringing down that age recommendation, it has really helped a lot of uptake of vaccine in the last, uh, I think, a week and a half or so. So it's good. I think they can go even lower than that. But we have to remember this, rare clot that we've been seeing, VIT, V-I-T-T, it's something that I don't want to gloss over. We need to consider it. Thankfully, right now, it looks to be very rare. More work is being done on it. And certainly, the benefit of getting the vaccine greatly outweighs the risk, especially because you can get clots with COVID itself. Uh, And and again, I actually recommended uh, AstraZeneca to my own sister, who got it about two weeks ago in, in the UK. So I think this is, this is great. And, you know, if they even uh, lower that age to 18, I would be good with it. Were there, is there the potential, though, if we continue to lower the age category for AstraZeneca, that we could see supply issues? I mean, we've had supply issues, it goes without saying, when it comes to any of the vaccines uh, in this country. But I know Health Canada was out on the weekend saying that uh, AstraZeneca, the supply we're getting from the U.S., is safe, despite the fact that U.S. authorities have gone into the plant, I think it's in Baltimore, uh, to investigate uh, there. So uh, are there maybe down the road here in the foreseeable future some supply issues regarding AstraZeneca? Absolutely. I suspect that that will be happening in the next few weeks. But on the other hand, we are looking at a situation where clearly there were some issues with the messaging of AstraZeneca. And 
there were a lot of doses just sitting there on the shelves. I think as, as you would agree with me that with uh, AstraZeneca, you know, it's much better in somebody's arm than it is being expired. And I think that either way, we had to kind of weigh that. Uh, but yeah, I think as we start to go further in the vaccination campaign, we start to have uh, uh, supply outstripping the demand. This might change, but for right now, I think this is the right way to go. All right, we've covered J&J, we've covered AstraZeneca. Let's talk Pfizer here briefly, because we also have word this afternoon that pharmacies in both Toronto and Peel will uh, soon start offering Pfizer? Yeah, now this is, looks like it's going to be a pilot project, and it's not going to be on every single pharmacy, but it's a, it's a great thing. Look, we have vaccines. One thing that I've always mentioned, we, our vaccine campaign looks at initially was age, looks at kind of risk factors, and I think another very important aspect of that is going into certain hotspots we always talk about essential workers, but there's also just some postal codes where, where lots of people are getting infected. And I think we talk about something called the ring vaccine. They, they talk about this with smallpox. But let's say if you take the highest risk people, vaccinate them, and then vaccinate the people around them, including their family, that goes a long way in, in cutting transmission chains. So I think this is a great thing to try, and uh, you know, hopefully the pilot is successful and we see more of this. Yeah, and could this be big? Because, uh, as you well know, you just mentioned AstraZeneca and some of the problems uh, around the vaccine and its uh, messaging. We do have a, a certain segment of the population that is, quote-unquote, uh, vaccine shopping. So if uh, Pfizer becomes more readily available in uh, pharmacies, do you think we're going to see maybe even a greater uptake when it comes to uh, vaccinations and the rollout? I do think that is going to be the case. And I, now, I've always counseled that you know, these vaccines are equivalent in what we're looking for. We are trying to get them to keep people out of hospital and, of course, keep people from dying. All of the vaccines do that. Uh, but with Pfizer going into certain communities, I agree that there probably is going to be uh, increased uptake. Right now, we are going to see a huge surge of uh, Pfizer coming into the country. Either way, let's get that vaccine to the arms that need it and the arms that need it the most, and I think this is a good way to start. All right. And finally, Dr. Chakrabadi, recent reports say that 25% of Canadians, a quarter, have had their first dose of the vaccine. Uh, what does that number, what does it mean? What does it signify? And are we close maybe to turning a corner then on this third wave? Yeah, no, I will say one thing that I think that vaccinating our way out of the third wave was never going to be uh, possible because we were already in it as it was starting. But that said, the idea now is that we're getting more and more people covered. So this hopefully going to be our last wave that we need to do community restriction for. So, for example, if we have another wave, let's say in September, it's not going to matter as much because you're not going to have as many people hospitalized, so you, you can just deal with the hospitalizations without closing down the community. So this is a, a big number. I think it's also really important that now more and more people are getting vaccinated. We need to start thinking of an exit strategy. We need to start giving people guidelines of what they can do safely with one vaccination, with two vaccinations. I haven't seen much of that yet, uh, in Canada at least. CDC has some good guidelines, but we don't want to be blindsided by this. We want to be having a good plan as the third wave starts to recede to give people safe alternatives and a safe path forward. Absolutely. Doctor, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Take care. You as well. Dr. Sumon Chakrabadi with us.